0: There's a lot we have to think about, a lot to consider, a lot to, uh, to think about, and, and really push forward to. Because clearly, self control is important. It's talked about so often throughout Scripture, not just the Old Testament, but again and again and again in the New Testament. And when I say self control, I want you to think about it this way it's not only about refraining from doing some things. I think generally, that's almost the only way we think about self control, meaning don't do X, Y, or Z. Well, that's a big part of it. Self-control is refraining from some things. But self-control is also knowing when to move, when to act. Because sometimes it can be that we're too afraid or we don't know. Self-control means here's the step, here's the path, and I'm going to take it. I just have that much willpower and control over what I'm doing. So think about what the New Testament has said. Galatians chapter 5 at verse 22 and 23 it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, against such things, there's no law. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, at verse 2, among the many things that are listed there as a qualification to be an elder, one of them is self-control. Titus chapter 2, listen to this. In Titus 2, beginning at verse 11... It says, the grace of God has appeared. You can just think about it this way. Jesus Christ came to the earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5, 8 would say that God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came to this earth. Okay, Titus two eleven. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And also this, when the grace of God appeared, when Jesus came to this earth, He taught us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And then there's this, one more example. In Acts chapter 24, we have a situation where Paul's in prison. And at various times, he was brought out and would be asked to speak and teach and share certain ideas with other famous and special, powerful people. In Acts 24, he's going to stand before Felix and Drusilla. Look at this, Acts 24, verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul. Here's this guy who's a prisoner. And they bring Paul out to hear him speak. And it says they heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Now, let's pause for a minute. Of course, Paul's going to talk about Jesus. Of course he is. What else is there for Paul to speak of except for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ? But there's a special way he was going to say it. He's got this one opportunity to speak to Felix and Drusilla. What's he going to say? Well, it says that he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. And by speaking about righteousness, self-control and judgment, it says that Felix became alarmed. He was afraid. Oh, someone's saying I need to exercise self-control. I can't just give in to whatever feeling I have. I can't just go do whatever I want to do. And it matters because there's judgment coming. Self-control matters. And so it said it caused him to shake and be afraid. And he said, Paul, go away. I don't want to hear any more about that. Maybe I'll call on you another day. So we see very clearly that self-control is important. But even though we know it's important, even though we read passage after passage after passage about it, we still, so many of us still struggle with it. We still lash out with our tongues and we use our words as weapons to hurt other people. That's no self-control. We give in to our lusts and our passions and our sinful desires. And so this is what we've been studying all along here in Proverbs. This is what Solomon has been stressing to his children. Look with me at these two lines, two two Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit, the one who demonstrates self-control, he's better than the one who takes a city. And then there's this the one that was already read in your hearing proverbs 25 beginning at verse 28 or just 28 a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls what these passages are teaching us among other things is that when we have a lack of self-control we become vulnerable if we can't rule our spirits then our city our hearts is wide open to the attack of the enemy. And when we're open to attack, then anyone or anything can get in. And when we're open to attack, anyone or anything can get out. So we'll just let any old idea in. We'll just let any old word out. Boy, that's that's a scary thought. We can be tempted to sin when the walls are torn down with no self-control. We can fall prey to false doctrine when the walls are torn down and there's no self-control. And so Paul would write in Ephesians 4, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, no self-control. Just whatever new idea comes along, well, I'll just go right along with it. If we want to stand against the devil, if we want to resist the power of the evil one, we have to have self-control. So what did Solomon want his children to understand about self-control? What do we want our boys to know about self-control? The worldly experts, they know we have a problem. (laughs) The worldly experts know we have a problem with self-control. And I'm talking about those who have never once opened or even care about opening a Bible. But as they just generally take in the way people act, the way people act at drive-through windows, the way people act on the road, the way people act at, at offices, We have no self-control. We're terrible to each other. And so the experts out there, they've said, what's going on? How do we fix this? What's the remedy to this? Well, here we're going to see the Lord's remedy that very often the the experts can stumble onto later after the Lord's had told us clearly and plainly centuries ago what He expects and what we need. So we're going to see here in in Proverbs, in just short order, how to develop and live with self-control. So, what is it that Solomon had told his sons, and what is it that, that we must tell our children? Well, to live with self-control starts with this. Remove temptation. Remove temptation. This is what you might call maybe just a, a trick, but, it, but it's great wisdom. If you're having, control, having trouble controlling yourself, well, then remove the temptation, right? I mean, if ice cream's the problem, stop buying ice cream. Because if there's not any in the house... It's not a temptation. I mean, I flat out said that to my sweet wife. She's so kind to me. She's so sweet to me. She'll buy me these things. And I'm like, please don't buy it. If it's there, I'm going to eat it. And I don't need to eat it. Because I'm weak. I don't have self-control. When there's a Reese's peanut butter cup sitting there, I'm going to eat it. Please don't buy it. the simple that's a simple thing isn't it if it's not sitting there i'm not tempted to eat it i can display some self-control when it's not sitting there and the lord says something very similar to us The lord actually did. let me give you this example of jesus where we read the proverb remember in matthew chapter 4 jesus goes through temptations in the wilderness one two three remember the way he ended it matthew chapter 4 verse 11 be one example be gone satan Get out of here, Satan. Stop tempting me, Satan. You no longer will be right here in front of me. So that we learn from Jesus himself, if I want to overcome temptation, the first thing you do is you remove the temptation in order to show self-control. Jesus banished the actual tempter from his presence. And then there's this. This is what God told his people going back to the days of Moses. When they would move into a new territory, when they would overtake the promised land, this is the command of God. Deuteronomy 12, verse 3. You shall tear down their altars, dash in pieces their pillars, and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of this place. In other words, remove the temptation. Don't leave those idols up. Don't leave those places of worship there, because there may be a day where you're tempted to go in there, fall down before that instead of falling down before me. But if you destroy it, if you completely remove it from your life, you won't be tempted. It's easier to show self control when the temptation's gone. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 15, in reference to hanging out with sinful enticers and sinful influences, Solomon said, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. He's saying to his son, Son, don't say, you know what? I can go to that party and not get mixed up in any of the bad stuff. Remove the temptation. Don't go. Don't be where there's going to be the constant bombardment of sin. Go to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four at verse 14. "Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Don't pretend, don't lie to yourself that you can just continually be around uh, that type of life and lifestyle and it not affect you. He says, avoid it. Don't go into it. Turn away from it and pass on. Go over to chapter 22, Proverbs 22, verse 24. 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Why? Best you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare avoid the temptation remove the temptation so you can show self-control so for you it might be a relationship that you've got to stop to sever right now it may be a place you've got to quit going to and so the message from god the message from this father to his sons was remove the sinful temptation from your life and it'll make it so much easier to live with self-control that's just a that's just smart advice you want to display willpower You know, display self-control, remove the temptation. Next is this. He says, let's have one goal at a time here. And again, that's what the experts will say. The experts out there, the secular, worldly experts will say, one reason that people have a lack of self-control is because they've got too many irons in the fire. Too many goals we're trying to accomplish in short order. I need to do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. And yet I'm just so out of control, I don't seem to do any of them. It makes it easier to lose focus. We don't have one major goal. If we have one major focus, one major goal in life, it'll be easier on us. So let's read one of the most famous passages again. We've read it several times here in Proverbs, but go back to Proverbs 3. And this time when we read it, I know you've heard it a thousand times. This time when you read it, I want you to read it as and understand it as, here's what should be the main focus of your life. No, no, no. Here's what should be the main focus of my life. Here's the way I should orient and think about all other things in my life. This is Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats be bursting with wine. Notice verse six. In all your ways acknowledge him. If my number one destination is heaven, if my number one desire is to be like Jesus, if my number one source as my guide to life is the word of God, if life with the Lord is my goal it'll be easier to display self-control. If it's not, well, being a Christian is one among many things I seek. Well, being with the Lord is one among many things. If being with the Lord is your ultimate desire, then that makes it easier to have self-control and deal with the other things that come along. Then there's this. We have to keep moving quickly because there's several we want to cover. We want our sons to think. Sometimes... I'm guessing that my boys probably hear this too often and kind of get to a glazed eye look, I think, because I'm continually saying, let's think about it. I put things up on the wall with that image of Rodin's thinker because I want them to think. But that's what the Lord says too. If you want to deal with the temptations that come your way and you want to be a person of self-control, you've got to deliberate. You've got to examine the evidence and properly think through what you're being presented and make a good decision one of the major complaints that solomon has against fools is that they rush in and they act before they speak that's what solomon says over and over and over in proverbs fools rush and don't think And i don't mean to be funny even elvis right can you remember that song wise men say only fools rush in but you know what the very next line of that song is? But I just can't help by following it. I know what the wisdom is. The wisdom is, I don't, I don't know, it's a cheesy song. It's about love and all that. But the point is this. We so often say, I make excuses for myself. We're going to talk about that again in a second. Think. Fools do rush in. That's the reason wise men have said it. Solomon's is trying to teach his children to think, to deliberate, examine the evidence. They need to think before they speak. They need to look before they leap. There's a reason why some of these cliches have become cliches because they're wise. But look at what Proverbs says. Go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 15. The simple, simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So the fool believes everything, but the wise gives thought to his steps. Verse 16 says... The one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Look also at chapter 18, 18.13. 18.13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, well, that person's a fool. That's what the Bible says. one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and his shame. The idea is this. You haven't considered the other side. You haven't considered all the evidence. You just rush right in. Fools rush in. Fools display a lack of self-control. One more. Look at verse 17. So 18, 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. See, that's exactly the same point of the other verse. Verse 13. The fool just rushes right in. First thing he's heard. First thing he sees. The wise says, let me hear both sides. The wise says, let me look at other options. The wise says, let me see if there's more to the story. And so, in other words, you might say it this way, the wise will think before they speak and they'll look before they leap. In James, James would write it this way, James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, quick to, to, to listen, to think, but let them be slow to speak and slow to anger. Clear thinking and deliberation are called for if we want to display self-control. Are the words I'm about to speak, are they true? Well, if not, don't speak them. So some self-control. Are my words about to injure and tear down? Well, if they are, don't speak them. Are my words about to heal and and bind together and build up? Great, speak those words. Will my actions bring glory to God? Will my actions bring bring glory to the Son of God? Will my actions bring glory to the, the church of Jesus? If not, then I shouldn't do them. In 1 Thessalonians 5.21, the Bible says, Prove all things, deliberate, think, examine. Prove all things and then hold fast to that which is good. The person with self-control, you're, yes, be emotional. Yes, be full of feeling. Be full of joy and be happy and, and laugh out loud and, and cry and be, be hurt. But the person with self-control is going to give thought to the consequences of their actions. The Lord says the fool doesn't think about consequences. The fool doesn't think about injuring others or self. The wise does. Uh, Somebody has said, all ideas have consequences, but bad ideas have victims. That means that bad ideas injure and hurt. And so don't just embrace and do everything, think. Because fools rush in and the wise think. Okay, next. Not only remove temptation, not only have the Lord as your focus and think before, deliberate before you act. But then there's this, ask for help. And obviously I mean by that, I mean ask the Lord. Again, looking to, to Jesus, exactly what He did when He was dealing with temptation, when He was dealing with things that were in front of Him that were going to be hard, and He needed to display self-control. You know what He did? He prayed. Matthew chapter 26, look at verses 36-38. through 38. This is when Jesus takes the disciples with Him into the Garden of Gethsemane. And He says to them, Watch with me. Watch with me, my friends. And he says he was sorrowed and he was troubled. And so he asked for help. He asked for these men to help him. Come with me, watch with me, help me, sustain me, strengthen me. He asked for help from them. Then again, he goes on and he asks the Father for help. You read Matthew 26, verses 39 through 44, and again and again and again. He prays to the Father, asking for favors. He prays to the Father, asking for a blessing. Now we know that the Father didn't give Jesus what He asked for. Jesus said, let this cup pass from Me. But He had to drink the cup in full, didn't He? The Father didn't give Jesus what He asked for, but He gave Jesus something else. I want you to think about this with me. Look in there at Matthew 26, if you're not already there. Because I want you to compare a couple of things. Because see, here's what Jesus asked for. When he was asking for help, he said, let this cup pass. Well, the answer to that prayer is no. You have to drink the cup. You have to go to the cross and endure So he said no to that. But you know what he did get? He got self-control. Because it starts there. It says like in verse 40. He says to to those disciples at first, here's his attitude. You couldn't wait an hour. You couldn't stay awake. I, I see some irritation there, don't you? You couldn't watch with me one hour because he'd gone over here to pray and he comes back finds them sleeping you couldn't wait that's verse 40 but look at verse 45 how things have changed in short order look how things have changed instead of saying why couldn't you stay awake 45 he says go ahead and sleep go ahead and sleep let me show you another difference it also says in verses 37 and 38 that he was sorrowful and he was troubled he was reeling and he was hurting but look at verse 50. Look how different verse 50 is from the one who was sorrowful. Sweat drops of blood. Look at verse 50. What's he say to Judas? So calmly, so powerfully. Friend, do what you've come to do. That's a man living out self-control. And then there's John 18 where John's telling us the same story about Jesus in the, in the garden, but he tells us something different. That when the accusers came, when the, the people seeking to arrest him came and they said, where's Jesus? And he said, I am he. Remember what happened? Here's one who's so full of power, so full of glorious, divine, otherworldly power, when he says, I am he, he says they fell right down. Look at the change from one who's sorrowful and needing help to the one who's in complete and absolute control. So I wanted to point out to you here that here's what happened. He prayed and prayed and prayed and didn't get what he asked for, but he got something amazing and great and wonderful. So pray, ask for help. The Lord will give us what we need. Look at Proverbs 2. There's the proverb from this section. Proverbs 2 beginning at verse 3. Proverbs 2, 3. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of God and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. God loves to give. God loves to bless. So ask Him to help you. Ask Him to strengthen you. Ask Him to give good gifts that only He can give. Self-control is for those who seek the Lord's blessings. Self-control is for those who seek the Lord's favor and help. So if you want to be a person of self-control, remove the temptation, have the focus be on Him, think about what you're doing, and ask Him for help. That brings us to these next few things. We'll hit rather quickly here. We gotta learn from our mistakes. I don't wanna oversimplify, I don't wanna overstate the case because we absolutely acknowledge that some things are harder to quit than other things. We're clear about that, upfront about that. We're not, and here we're not even referring to something like addiction. We're not referring referring to that here. We're referring to those who continually choose to do and continue to do like they've always been doing. Because they're selfish or because they realize or they think some things are more fun than others? And so here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to think about. If I see that there are certain words that I speak that irritate someone else, I need to flat out refrain from saying them. I don't need to say, that's a you problem, get over it. I need to say, that's a me problem. I need to fix my heart. I need to display some self-control and not say those things that are grind, great, and irritate. If I see that certain people always get me into trouble... I need to refrain from walking with them proverbs chapter 26 at verse 11 says this like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly you know sometimes it's a good thing to remember how embarrassed you were one time sometimes it's a good thing to remember the pain you went through at one time in the past because it might help you exhibit self-control in the future it might help you to refuse to do the same thing again and so for our our kids if there's consequences to action the idea is they won't repeat those actions and get those negative consequences right and for you and me the same thing if I've hurt someone or I've been hurt or if I've been embarrassed or gotten I need to quit doing those things that have caused that and so the Lord says don't be like the dog who goes back to his vomit It's the fool who keeps doing the same thing over and over again. So we need to learn from our mistakes. We're going to display self-control. But there's also this. We need to stop making excuses. Look at Proverbs 22. Read with me in Proverbs 22. A couple different places here. Proverbs 22, verse 13. The sluggard says, now here's what you need to understand. The sluggard, the lazy one, the one who refuses to do any work well, why is it that he's so lazy? Well, one of the things he's going to do here is he's going to make all kinds of excuses. Here's why I can't go outside today. Here's why I can't go to the fields today. Here's why I can't go to my job today. Here's why I can't rear my kids today. Here's why I can't, why I can't, why I can't. It says in twenty-two, thirteen, 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the streets. Now, the idea here is this. There's no lion, <laughs> there's no lion outside. Because if there were a lion outside your front door, you don't walk outside. This is an excuse. I'm not going out there because there's danger out there. I'm not going out there because there's mean people out there. I'm not going out there because. Or so that's what the fool says. Stop making excuses and go. Go do what I've called you to do. Go be who you're supposed to be. Look at chapter 24, 2430. 2430 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard. What do you think he's going to find? The excuse maker. He says, I passed by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. I saw and considered it. I looked at those things. I looked at the broken down wall. I looked at the overgrown property and I received instruction. I learned by seeing that. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man don't say it's too scary don't say well there always will be tomorrow self-control is not only about refraining from some things it's about appropriate action also you've likely been making excuses about something maybe you've been making excuses about the way you talk i like the way i talk i like the language i use toughen up Maybe you've been making excuses about that. Maybe you've been making excuses about your refusal to get, forgive someone. Maybe you've been making excuses about refusing to obey the gospel. Well, self-control is about proper conduct, so stop making excuses and do what is right. Now, to sort of emphasize this, I want, let me share with you a couple of actual Chinese proverbs. Rather than looking here at the mind of God, I want to show you how similar, how men have learned from the divine revelation, even though they didn't recognize it. Listen to this. I'm sure you've heard these before, maybe even seen it on a a sign or a, a pillow somewhere. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And there's this. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. A man who asks, listen to this, a man who asks is a fool for about five minutes. But a man who never asks is a fool for life. Why would you wait to ask for forgiveness? Why would you wait to find out about who Jesus really is? Why would you wait to ask about salvation? Why would you wait to obey the gospel? To wait is to display foolishness. And to wait is to display a lack of self-control. That's why Ananias would say to Paul in Acts 22.16, Why are you waiting? Display a little self-control here. Get up and go be washed, forgiven of sins. Call the name of the Lord. Same thing would be written in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, and verse 15. and Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, but today if you hear his voice, respond. And that brings us to the last and final thing, the one that covers it all. We need to submit to the Lord. Solomon pleads with his sons. Look with me, these last few ones we'll look at. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Go to chapter 23, verse 15. 23-15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. Because remember what it means to be wise here. All through Proverbs, the wise one sees, knows, loves, and follows the Lord. The fool refuses to follow the Lord. So when he says, my son, if your heart is wise, if you follow the Lord and love Him, my heart will be full too. Go to Proverbs 8. This will be the last one we look at. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate.